Welcome to Mother's Day. Welcome to Mother's Day, yeah. We're in a, we've been talking for the last few weeks about exceptional living. And we want you to live exceptional lives. I know sometimes you, you kind of get knocked down. Anybody ever been knocked down and wounded and wondering if life can actually be great? Because uh, some moments define you. But we also, how many know that we're supposed to be overcomers? Anybody know that we're overcomers? And, and teaching on exceptional living, uh, I've taught you that who the sun sets free is free indeed. Absolutely free. And, and I won't walk back through that, but let me just again remind you of some words that remind us of what it means to be an, somebody who lives exceptionally. Purposeful, peaceful, eternal, supernatural, empowered. I think we could probably add several other words, but uh, uh, I like the word purposeful. I like beginning with that. How many know that God wants us to live on purpose? Does anybody know that? And God also has a purpose for our living. Uh, he will, he'll help you. He'll teach you. Uh, in fact, uh, it's really tough if you're listening, if you're, if you're just following the Lord and serving him, it's tough to get out of the will of God. Did you know that? Uh, because God keeps uh, just kind of moving you in the right path. Uh, but you should be listening to him because God wants your life on purpose. Uh, today, we want to continue talking about that. I had set aside Sunday, this particular Sunday is a Sunday to bless homes. So I want to talk to you about having an exceptional home today. And here's a scripture. It does not sound like a home scripture, but I'm going to take you there today. Matthew chapter 18 and verse 18. Jesus says, assuredly, I say to you, you want to read this with me? Assuredly, I say to you, whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven and whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. Uh, so I, I want to get right into this, but the best way to start this is with uh, one of the great leaders of our church who happens to be my girlfriend. Uh, she's been my wife for a long, long time, all right? Uh, but she'll never stop being my girlfriend. Welcome, Diana. Welcome, Diana. Thank you. Thank you. So we're going to have a little bit of fun. We can have fun in church, right? So we're going to start this off with a little bit of fun and teaching at the same time. I have a rule, though. We're going to give away some prizes, and it's going to be unique the way we do this. But um, uh, I have a couple rules. One is if you were at first service, I ask that you don't participate second service because that would be unfair because you know what's going on. And secondly is when you do what I ask you to do, you must come up here on the stage beside of me. Okay. Now, if you are in the balcony and you want to participate, you might want to come downstairs, bring, get your purses, get your bags, get your book bags, get your backpacks, your babe diaper bags, get them handy and ready. If your husband is on the end and you're going to have to climb over top of him, you might want to switch seats. All right. You ready? This is going to be fun. Get your running shoes on. Okay, so we're going to start with um, the first thing that I'm asking for. This is a scavenger hunt, if, in case you didn't know. That's why I say get your bags. This is a scavenger hunt. First thing I'm asking for must have at least five or more of it. Five or more keys on a keychain. I got one. That was fast. That was fast. All right. All right. Yes, let's give it up for K-1. 
Karen, thank you. Thank you. All right, so let's look at Matthew 16 and 19. By the way, all these prizes that we give away today have to do with the, what we're doing with each one. So looking for keys, and she's won a, a tile so she doesn't lose her keys, in case you didn't know what those t- tiles are. Okay, so let's look at Matthew 16, 19, and it says, I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven, and whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven, and whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. Now, ladies, we have to remember that no matter what is going on in our homes, the enemy does not have power over us. We have the keys to the kingdom of heaven. According to this scripture, whatever we allow, heaven allows. Whatever we disallow, heaven disallows. So whatever kills and steals and destroys is from the devil. It's not from God. You have the ability to not allow certain things in your life. You have the ability to look at your home and say, I will not allow this in my home. And expect with expectation a change. Amen? Okay, second. Ready? Get ready in your bags. Here we go. A grocery store coupon. Oh, my goodness. Grocery store coupon. Here we go. Here we go. Here we go. Yes. All right. We have a grocery gift card for you. (laughs) Yes. 2 Corinthians 9 and 8 says, And God is able to make all grace abound to you, so that in all things at all times, having all that you need, you will abound in every good work. Now, I love a great coupon, but I am not a couponer. Some of you probably are. I had a lady first service brought her whole thing. She had just had pulled the whole thing right up out of the bat purse and brought it. But um, I will walk into JCPenney, pull out my phone and my app, my Retail Me Not app, find myself a 40% off coupon and feel so good about that. We need to realize that we are better than we realize. We are better than we realize. We are covered in the grace of God, and grace is God's coupon saying this, you are mine, you are loved, you are strong. God's grace coupon says you are more beautiful than you give yourself credit for. You are more loved than you realize. You are more capable than you think. Let me say it like this. I am, by the grace of God, saved, sanctified, and filled with the Holy Ghost. I have been given a heavenly coupon, and I am worth more than you know. So now look at your neighbor and say, I am worth more than you know. Amen. Okay, thirdly, here we go, ladies. Get ready. This is for all the women. Come on, women. I need... A bottle of Advil, Bear, Tylenol, some kind of painkiller. I think we got a tie on that one. I think we got a tie. Okay. Okay. I'll give you this one. And I'll give you this. I have, I have a card of extras, so just in case. Here. You're welcome. 
That was close, guys. That was close. Okay. Isaiah 53 and 5 says, But he was pierced for our transgression. Excuse me. He was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. The punishment that brought us peace was upon him, and by his wounds we are healed. Mothers should all be given an honorary nursing degree. Not only are we usually the first to notice something isn't quite right with our child, we are also the first one with the Band-Aid or first aid, or the one who is cleaning up the throw-up that's all over the bed and the floor. The problem is that we're not only hands of healing, but we are also placed in the situation of catching whatever we are cleaning. Amen? I mean, if you're like me, and you're, you know, you're, don't, don't, no, 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 you know, trying to catch whatever they're doing. But uh, I'm also a disinfectant crazy person. So when my children were young and they were sick, I went behind them into the bathroom and cleaned, wiped, disinfected everything. Not after they were sick, not after it was all over. I'm talking every time they walked into the bathroom. I disinfected, because nobody else is going to get sick in my house. Okay, ladies, shake your aspirin bottle. If you got a bottle, shake it, shake it, shake it. This is a word for us ladies. God's not only a healer for our children, he is also a healer for you. He will heal our children and our grandchildren, but he will also heal our bodies. He can protect us from bacteria. He heals us from all of the women issues that we might have. Amen. Sorry, guys. He will heal you, your wounds of your past. He will heal your old relationship wounds. He will even heal your memories. Let the Lord heal you today. Let him purify and cleanse your body and just sit back and watch what God can do for you. Okay, ready? This one's a little more difficult. I'm hungry. Bring me some food. Okay, we got one right here. (laughs) Ooh, Twix bars. I like Twix bars. (laughs) Thank you. All right. Guys, you didn't know women could run so fast, did you? In heels. Matthew 5 and 6 says, Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. Now, children very very random or seldom run to their daddy and say, I'm hungry, unless they're a single dad and then you deal with it. But as a mother and a grandmother, I've heard this at least a thousand times. That's why women are always prepared with what Avalyn, my granddaughter, would call bites. Mimi, bites. Mama, bites. Ladies, while we're feeding everyone else, we must make sure that we are taking care of our own spiritual needs. What would the church do without women? Right? Stats, stats say that classrooms and children's ministries are mostly made up of women. 90% of women. Now, that's all fine and good, but men, it's time to step up. We've got young men in this church who need some father figures. I see them all the time. And, and if you are capable, I would encourage you to get involved in children's ministry. Just give a little bit of your time. It will make a world of difference for some young men. 
Um, While we're busy feeding everyone else, make sure that your own spiritual needs are met. Set time aside to seek God on your own. Make sure you and your husband are praying daily. When pastor says, light a candle and pray together, he's not blowing smoke. We do it every day. Whether it's breakfast, whether you do it at lunch, at dinner time, whether it's a snack, whether it's before you go to bed, make sure you are finding time with each other to pray over each other and for each other. Don't make it a difficult thing either. It's easy. I don't know how to pray. Sure, you can, you can do it. You can do it. We'll work that out. What Jesus is saying in Matthew 5.16, or 5.6, is if you are hungry and thirsty for righteousness, he will make sure that you are filled. You have to be hungry and thirsty, though. You can't just sit back and say, oh, feed me, feed me, feed me. You've got to hunger for it. Find a thirst for Jesus and the righteousness of him. Okay, next one. Sorry. Ready? This cannot be one that you received today. A gift card. <laughs> got it, got it, got it. Ooh, nice. Ooh, Amazon. Oh, how nice. I have a gift card for you, too. <laughs> Congratulations. Now, I love gift cards, but I can't tell you the number of times that we have went somewhere and I forgot that I had gift cards in my purse. How many ladies are like that? I keep them. I I had a bigger bag than one I have right now, and it's buried down in the bottom in an envelope, and there's gift cards in there. And Rick will will come up to a restaurant or, um, or or a store, and he'll say, honey, don't you have a gift card for that? And I'll find one, and man, we had just earned ourselves a free dinner. You know, isn't that the greatest thing? Or... You know, I get half off of an outfit or something. It's just wonderful. Sure enough, it happens. Don't forget while you're busy and overwhelmed and serving that the Holy Spirit has given us gifts. The next time you're struggling with your family and you just don't know what to say to correct or maybe redirect that teenager of yours, stop and allow the Holy Spirit to remind you that you are given wisdom and knowledge for that moment. Whatever God called you to, he also provides a spiritual gift card for it. Amen? Okay, last one. This one's going to be a little more difficult. A toy. Run, you better run, Hope. A toy? This, I'm not, this is more of a keychain. Okay, I'll give you both something. That's right. That's right. All right. Just give them a hand. It's a good thing I had extras today. This is a this is a toy f- that she will enjoy. Hopefully, she cooks. So that's a toy for her. May let's let's see. Look, let's look at Romans fifteen thirteen. May the God of hope fill you with all the joy and peace as you trust in Him so that you may overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. It seems like the task of motherhood is that you have to be everything to everyone. You must make sure that your children are not not only educated, clean, and healthy, but also that they are entertained. Now, my office is filled with toys just for entertaining my granddaughter. But she is happier and more joyful when she's happy, when she gets to come in and play with toys. 
But that's still true for moms like us. We need to take care of our lives. We can't just distract our children with joyful toys and lives. Um, We need to be able to laugh with them and play with them. And it's vital that we embrace life with a smile on our face and in our heart. But life isn't always happiness. That's why we need the Holy Spirit. There's nothing that will fill your life with joy like the Holy Spirit. Every morning we need to get up and pray, God, fill my life with joy. The constant reality that everything that you face is going to work for God's purpose and our good. Thank you very much. So here we are. Look at Matthew 18, 18. Read it with me. Assuredly, I say to you, whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven, and whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. Now, now chill out, because I know you've probably heard this preached before, and you think you know where I'm going, uh, but you also know this truth, and that is that I believe that God's people are dying for lack of contextual knowledge. And sometimes we are so busy... Uh, just looking at things and just grabbing a scripture and proof texting our moment that we lose what God is really wanting to say. And this is Matthew chapter 18. I want to talk about exceptional homes. Uh, anybody have a house? Okay, somebody got a new house? Anybody got a new house? So yeah, yeah, over in my neck of the woods. So uh, listen, listen, if you have a house, uh, you're going to have to do some stuff. That's just all there is to it. There are things that you're going to have to do. And uh, I, there are some things that I'm not good at. So if, if you want me to come over to your house and rewire your electricity, get ready for something to short out. Get ready for that, for something not to work. I'm not an electrician. However, there are some things that I have to figure out how to do in my house. Does that make sense to anyone? Because if I, don't do, if I, if I choose to do nothing, my house will rot and fall apart all around me. Does that make sense? So, so let's, you know, you've probably seen that. I, uh, Diana, the house that she grew up in, the house where uh, she was living when I met her, uh, the, the house that uh, I went to and asked her daddy for her hand in that particular house in Kinnikinick, Ohio. You spell that K-I-N-N-I-N-N-I-C-K, all right? And it does sound like you're speaking in other languages. It really does. But uh, that house is a mess. It had been left... And we went to see it last year because we had heard that it might be a mess. And uh, I, because I'm just that kind of a guy, found a window that we could climb in. And uh, it, it was just, there were animals that were in it. There were, there were skins that were laying around. It smelled like mold and feces. It was horrible. Uh, there was wallpaper on the wall. You could see where the cabinets were, the same cabinets that were there when uh, she was a child. But it was just an absolute disaster. And can I tell you, if you want an exceptional home, you need to pay attention. We have to find a way to fix some things. Can I get a yes from somebody? So, so this word also home, and we see it in scripture where we hear the word home. Sometimes we, we have an, a different idea about what a home is. And, and when you look, when you do a word study of, of it, one of the, 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 the constants in it is that a home is not always a house. You can consider it a house, but uh, in the day when they were using the word home, it was, it was like your kingdom. The, home, the, the word in Greek is also used for your court. So where a king and a queen might sit. So uh, I know some of you won't have a problem with this at all. Anybody sitting with somebody that's your, your, your wife? Anybody sitting with your wife right now? You sitting with your wife? Look over and say, you're my queen. Go ahead and say, you're my queen. 
All right, do that. You're a queen. And go ahead and put a little crown on their heads, if you would. Put a little crown. Uh, now, I'm, I'm saying this. Got any single mamas in the house? Where my single mamas at? All right. Crown for all of you, too. Crown for all of you all. It, it, what I'm telling you is that sometimes we lose the understanding that we live in a place that is supposed to represent the kingdom of God. So the truth of the changes in the, the, the truth of this, uh, of this, uh, of this understanding of this identification that a home is, is court, that home is kingdom, it transitions the way that we do life. So let me show you another translation in Matthew 18, 18. I tell you the truth. The things that you don't allow on earth will be the things God does not allow. And the things you allow on earth will be the things that God allows. Now, and I tell you this because somebody agree with me. My home belongs to God. Say it. My home belongs to God. So I ha- my home is my home in his name. Are you getting this? Now, Matthew 18, 18 is where we have this scripture. But one of the problems with Matthew 18, 18 is you never read Matthew 1, uh, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, and 7, 8, 9, 10, all the way through 18. So you need to understand the context of this. And Matthew chapter 18, this is the way it begins. This is familiar to you. It's in your notes. At that time, the disciples came to Jesus saying, who then is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven? Now, don't, don't miss this because you're thinking, oh, they're just trying to see who's better than the other. That's not what I see contextually here. This is what they're saying. How, do I, how, how can I be the best for you? How can I serve you the best? How can I be the greatest in your kingdom? And Jesus says, he, he calls a little child to him and sets him in the midst of all of his disciples. And he said, Assuredly, I say to you, unless you are converted and become as little children, you will by no means enter the kingdom of heaven. Therefore, whoever humbles himself as this little child is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. And whoever receives one little child like this in my name receives him. Now, this is not a discussion about... uh, Not a discussion about number one. It's a discussion about how to be great. But he also says, you must... Become a little child. You get this? You must become a little child. So when I say that you must become a little child, uh, I'm telling you that God is saying that you need to come off of your high horse and humble yourself to a place in your life. I mean, you were bringing all this food just in case your little baby looked over and said, you might need some, some uh, crackers, or you might need some, some goldfish. You, might, you got all of that. I want you to understand that I am always in need of being served by my Lord, right? I don't need the Holy Spirit on occasion. I need Him. Oh, I need Him. Every hour I need Him. I need Him right now. I don't just need him on Sunday. I need my father with me every day and every moment of my life. And then he shifts to this teaching on children here. And you got to watch when the Lord shifts because he'll shift and he'll tell you something you're not ready to listen to. He says this, whoever, let me look at that, whoever receives one little child like this in my name receives me. Got anybody with a baby in the house? Anybody got a baby in your arms right now? Where, where's the baby? I, I want, bring, grab your baby and bring it to me. All right? bring. Come on down. Come on. That's a good baby. Bring that baby. That's, 
rest of them are in class or nursery or something. I always usually have some if I'm carrying them because I, come on, I know you're all grown up. Hey, I got a gift for you. Got a gift for you. Thank you, thank you, thank you. All right. Hey, just sit here. Come on, sit down here. Sit down, stand here with me. It's a gift for you. It's a Bible. You like it? It's your Bible. You, can, you got that. I love you. Congratulations. How old are you? Four. Four? How many is that? It's that many. Show everybody how many it is. It's four. <laughs> Tell everybody your name. Gabby. Her name is Gabby. And you're four years old. You know this guy behind you? Daddy. Daddy. All right. All right. So I've done lots of baby dedications in this house, and I always give out Bibles. Always give out Bibles. I, I, want, you to, I want you to catch this, all right? Have you ever in the past, uh, signed for a delivery. Anybody ever signed for a delivery? Like the UPS guy comes up, knocks on your door and says, I got something for you, but I need you to sign for it. Okay. Have you ever signed for somebody else? Yeah. I mean, used to, that used to happen a lot. Now it's just laying on the front porch, but it used to be that way. Okay. So this is what, this is what God, what the Lord Jesus is saying. When you receive a child, it's not just your child. You sign for it for me. So Gabby belongs to Jesus and you sign for it. You signed for Gabby. So I want you to hear the difference in the responsibility. It's not just about what you want to do. It's not just what your opinions are. It's not even based upon your past. It's based upon who Jesus is and what Jesus anticipates that you're going to do in this child. So when you come up for a baby dedication and you think we're just putting a little oil on it and giving you some gifts, I want you to understand that is not your child. You are signing for the child. Look, look. He says this. Now watch this because it's a little scary right now. I am my baby dedicated. The child already belonged to Jesus. How many know the children belong to the Lord? Anybody know that? Come on, the children belong. You belong to the Lord as a child. Now I don't know who you belong to right now, but when you were born, you belong to Jesus. He says this. If you receive this child in his name, then you receive him. You get that? That means now you're not raising that child by yourself. That child is not only belong to to, to Jesus, but he says you are also my child. If you will accept my calling to raise your child as it belongs to Jesus. Not as if it, but as it because Gabby belongs to to Jesus, right? Gabby belongs to Jesus. And we want the word of Jesus to be in her heart. And you have that responsibility to make sure the word of Christ is in her heart. Now, this is a serious thing, but the Lord says, I'm not going to leave. I don't know how to do that. You don't know how I was raised. You don't know how I messed up my mom and dad. Listen, I'm, that may be true, but let's get you whole so that we can raise the next generation as whole. Thanks. You go on down. Now, I'm serious about this. All right, you ready? All right. Then he says this in verse 6. Whoever causes one of these little ones who believe in me to sin, it would be better for him if a millstone were hung around his neck and he were drowned in the depth of the sea. Woe to the world because of offenses, for offenses must come, but woe to that man by whom the offenses come. Do Do you hear that? So he's saying, he's saying, I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to come along beside of you, but don't you offend that child. Don't you wound that child's heart. Don't you break that child. Don't you mess that child over. You stand for that child. You make sure that that child knows that that child is a gift from heaven. And don't let that child get lost. And he says, 
Come on. Do you know that there are a lot of people that can say things to your children, and the children go, well, don't matter. But what you say matters. There's a lot of people there, but you are different. You are the template for their life. And, and this is huge. This is huge. He says, offenses will come. How many sometimes you just kind of get nervous every time your kid leaves the house? Anybody just like, ah. And I'm not blessing that. I'm just saying, at the same time, I get that. I mean, you're going to send your kids off to school, and you're thinking, you know, you got good teachers, but I, it's not just the te- I, it's just the environment that they're going to be in, right? And what's going to happen? I mean, who's going to speak something into them that they receive? I, and, and I don't want that. And what he's saying is, there is enough trouble just raising your kids in a broken world. Don't make them be broken in their house. say, well, what do I do about this? Verse 8, he explains it. He says, here's what you do. If your hand or foot causes you to sin, cut it off and cast it from you. It is better for you to enter into life lame or maimed rather than having two hands or two feet to be cast into everlasting fire. Jesus, serious about this. I mean, anytime preachers start talking about fire, you know you need to pay attention. And if your eye causes you to sin, pluck it out and cast it from you. It's better for you to enter into life with one eye rather than having two eyes and be cast into, then he gets real serious, hell fire. Uh, Take heed that you do not despise one of these little ones, Uh, for I say to you that in heaven the angels always see the face of my Father who is in heaven, for the Son of Man has come to save that which was lost. Now, some of you say, what does that mean? Jesus wants us to cut hands off and eyes off. There are some literalists who actually jump into that, you know, I'm going to cut your hand off. That's it. I pop my eye. That's not what he's saying. He's not saying that. What he's saying is, you're going to get this. Parents, you're going to get this. Cut it out. Just say, cut it out. Say it, cut it out. Anybody ever seen your kid doing something and, and, and you, were, uh, you know, didn't have time to explain? Just cut it out. Cut it out. Come on. Stop offending your children. Come on. How many know there's not a single child that needs somebody to look at it and say, you know, are you really as stupid as you look? Right? Don't you ever talk to your babies like that. Don't, don't ever look at your children and tell them they're stupid or, or dumb or just, come on, don't. What you need to do is get under your children and build them up. Just cut it out. If you've got anger issues, you need to get through your anger issues. Your baby, don't. Don't have time for your anger issues. Go find a good counselor. Go to a good preacher. Google it. Whatever you got to do. But don't sit in your mess and pass it to the next generation simply because you decided, well, that's just the way I am. Cut it out. Cut it out. Cut it out. Cut it out. Whatever you're doing that's not bringing your child towards Christ, cut it out. Some of you are looking back and you're saying, it's too late for me. It's too late. I'm telling you, go back. Find that baby. Tell him, I wish I'd have cut this out. Expose your heart. Expose the addictions. Expose what it was. Your children sometimes just need a mama or daddy. You know those grown-up kids who come by and sit down and say, look, I didn't do everything God wanted to do and some of the things you're dealing with that I should have dealt with. And I want you to know that I love you and I wished I'd have cut it out. But right now, let's agree that we can cut it out together. Jesus. And he says this in that verse 10, he says, 
take heed that you do not despise one of these little ones. Do not despise them. What he's saying is, he's saying, don't look at them. Uh, when you look at those kids, don't look at them as not valuable. Don't look at them as just a problem. Don't look at them with contempt. You know, if it wasn't for you, if it wasn't for you, I might have a life. I'd have got my education if you hadn't come along. You listen, cut it out. God, come on, children are a blessing from heaven. Can I get an amen? Come on, children are a blessing from heaven. The Son of Man has come to seek and save that which was lost. And that's, this is so important. I, I want you to understand that there are people that you're sitting with right now that may love your children more than you do. You know why? Because they lost children. They lost them. I don't know how. You know, we had some dear, some dear folks. You know, the Walters were here not long ago. And, uh, and, and he had, you know, their, their baby had died. And, uh, you know, it was just a heartbreaking time. And there's some of you here, I'm not going to make you lift your hand, but Mother's Day for some of you hurts so much. Uh, you know, I was thinking of when our kids were growing up, the Annie was really famous. Remember the Annie, the old Annie movie? movie? I mean, you know, Miss Hannigan, Carol Burnett played Miss Hannigan, you know. And then Annie at the beginning, somewhere they sing that, it's a hard knocks life for us. It's a hard knocks life for us. No one cares for you a smidge when you're in an orphanage. It's a hard knocks life. And they're just laughing and singing and you haven't seen the orphanages that the Petricks have seen. Right? And Mike, is that okay for me to say? You know, doing this mission work in the Ukraine, you just haven't seen. I'm, I'm telling you. Uh, There are some kids that are suffering and some kids that are broken and some kids that are wounded. And, you know, the Lord actually will use some of your brokenness in order to love individuals that you would not have been able to love. Does that make sense to anybody? God will take your pain and he will cause he will use it to leverage. Does that make sense to anybody? He will leverage that in order to rescue the most, uh, the, the, the most vulnerable individuals. And I, I know that to be a fact. I mean, if I told you everybody's story that I know in this house, the brokenness and the wounds that they have, but I tell you that, I, I tell you this, uh, God wants you to find children. I got some people that, are, that don't have any kids. Wait a minute, you don't have any kids? Find some kids and make them feel valuable. All right. So, uh, because the child that feels worthless is set up for destruction. Am I right? And then he says this. This is weird. This is where we get this, the parable of the lost sheep. What? Jesus is saying this, and then he says, what do you think if a man has a hundred sheep, and one of them goes astray, does he not leave the 99 and go to the mountains to seek the one that is starving, or the one that is straying? And, he, and, and if he should find it, sure, assuredly, I say to you, he rejoices more over that sheep than the other 99. Here's, here's the principle. Here's the teaching here, okay? And that is, don't be so full of what you're doing that you forget that every individual matters. Do you get that? Oh, look, I got 99. Why do I don't have to worry about that one. No, the one matters. And when you lose the one, when the one falls away, when the one falls away, I remember, you've heard me say this, you know, my mother, I'm my mother's favorite, God rest her soul, it's Mother's Day, I miss my mom, but the reason is I was the, always the one 
wrecking my bike. I was the, always the one that was sick. I was the one that was burned as a child. I was the one that was dehydrated. It's like I was always the one that was hurt. So mama always loved me most. I always thought she did because I was always the one busted up. <laughs> gotta, gotta take care of Ricky, you know. All right, so I'll, I'll, he, that, that's what he's saying in this. So I, I love... Also, that he then establishes a boundary in verse 15. Moreover, if your brother sins against you, go and tell him his fault between you and him alone. If he hears you, you have gained your brother. If he will not hear, hear you, take with, with you two more. And by the mouth of two or three witnesses, every word may be established. And if he refuses to hear him, tell it to the church. But if he refuses even to hear the church, let him be to you like a heathen and a tax collector. Now, here's, here's the teaching here. The heathen and tax collector, Jesus is always hanging out with heathens and tax collectors. They're his boys, you know. Uh, because he's saving them. But what he's saying is, from your religious perspective, from their religious perspective, they would not be with sinners. So, listen, you try, you talk to them, you try to restore, you get two or three, and you go to try and restore with two or three, and then you try to get, you, you know, just go and get your church, go and get the community of believers that you're with, and sit down together. And why do you do it with more than one? So you're not just transferring stuff, so that you can get an honest response but if they, if they refuse to hear you and refuse to respond, sooner or later, you're just going to have to deliver them over to the devil. Does that sound weird to people? It's what the word of God says. And when Satan is finished with them, then they might want to come back. Do you see what I'm saying? Sometimes there are certain individuals that you have done all you can do. And you've told them and you've told them and you've counseled and counseled. That's what he's saying. He's, he's talking about reconciliation. But then he makes this statement in, eight, in verse 18. I, Assuredly, I say to you, whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven. And whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. So basically, here is our belief of this. I bind you, devil, in the name of Jesus. Okay, now wait. I, I'm not against that. Can I get an amen? amen? You need to understand some things about it. But if all you are doing is making a proclamation of binding and doing nothing else. All right? This scripture comes from, uh, also, this is the second time in Matthew that we hear this. In Matthew 16, 15, remember at Caesarea Philippi, Jesus is with his disciples, and he says, who do you say that I am? And Peter finally says, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. And he says, blessed art thou, Simon Barjona. Flesh and blood has not revealed it to you, but my father who is in heaven. And upon this rock, I will build my church and the gates of, I like it this way, the gates of hell will not prevail against it. And then he goes on, he says, I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven. And whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven. Whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. So the disciples, when they hear this, they immediately remember when Jesus says, I'm giving you authority. I'm giving you the keys to the kingdom of heaven. Now, here's where we struggle a little bit, all right? Because we are so often in battle with the enemy that we forget this truth. All of the authority of the enemy, all the authority the enemy has is illegitimate authority. The enemy does not have legitimate authority. According to Colossians 2, Jesus disarmed him and publicly paraded him around just to show who is really in charge right now. Now the enemy will lie to you. Am I right? He will lie to you and try to make you believe that he has authority over you. But the only authority the enemy has is the authority he steals from you. When Jesus was raised from the dead, Jesus took the authority and gave it 
to us. Now, here's the power principle. Jesus came back, re-delivers the keys. The keys. Now, get this. Keys. How many have five keys? Anybody have five keys? Okay. How many have five house keys? How many have five door keys? How many keys do you have to your doors? So, so here's the difference. When Jesus is talking about keys, there's a different context. He's not talking about your car keys. He's not talking about your lawnmower keys. He's not talking about your locker keys. He's not talking about a padlock key. He's not talking about your shed. He's talking about the keys to your gates, the keys to your house. So here's what happens. The enemy comes and convinces you that he has the keys to your house. And what you need to know is that Jesus gave you, I'm talking about your home right now, Jesus gave you the keys that you need. You have the authority and victory. Your children that you have received in the name of the Lord, those kids belong to Jesus. They are kingdom kids, and we have authority over the enemy. You just have to realize that you got to take care of the gates. So the keys of the kingdom are for securing the gates of our lives. So I wanna, let, me, let me just show you. Here's, here's, here's some gates for your life. Before you talk about your children, you've got to take care of your own gates. Okay? Here's your gates. Your eye gate, your ear gate, your mouth gate, your mind gate, your spirit gate, your flesh gate, your emotional gate. Your eye gate. Uh, Jesus says, the eye is the lamp of the body. All the light comes in. And some of you are saying, well, you know, what do you mean, Pastor? I'm saying that the enemy wants to make you think that it doesn't matter what you look at. Wow. That's right. I'm getting real quiet in the house now. That's right. I mean, mean, how many times have you watched How Many Shades of Grey? Come on, you say it doesn't matter what I look at, and I'm telling you it does matter what you're looking at. It's a gate that the enemy convinces you it really doesn't matter. The ear gate, where, where words and music come into your soul. I'm glad you're in church right now, all right? Mark 4, 24 says you need to be careful what you listen to. Be careful what you hear because what you listen to becomes a gate. Your mouth gate, the word spoken, Right? The, the word spoken and the things that you consume through your mouth. Uh, Proverbs 20, or 18, 21, death and life are in the power of the... So it doesn't matter what I'll say, what I want to say. Really? That you sound like the devil right now, you know? I'll say what you say matters. And if you speak truth and you speak blessing, your children will be blessed and they will walk in truth. But if you keep speaking... Through that gate, what the enemy tells you to speak, you're just going to destroy those that are around you. What comes in and out of a gate has a lot of power in it. Uh, The mind gate. You you know, you're in a dark place and your mouth is closed, but your imagination is running wild. Or your spirit gate. Spirit gate. It's where faith or unbelief enter in. Remember Jesus said, behold, I stand at the door and knock and whoever hears my voice and opens the door, I will come to him and dine with him and he with me. What I'm saying is this is the door of our spirits. It's the act of salvation. It's welcome Holy Spirit into my life. And here's another one, the flesh gate. 
Our sensuality and our sexuality. Are they at a legitimate or an illegitimate level? Some people say it's whatever I feel. That means your flesh gate is unlocked and the gates are just swinging wide open. Preach, Pastor Rick. Come on. Or your emotional gate, your attitudes and your emotions in response to life and in response to people. Listen, I decide. I have authority. Somebody said, I have authority. I decide what's going on in my head, in my emotions, in my spirit, in my mind. What's coming out of my mouth. We need a fresh commitment to our own spirituality. We need fresh locks upon the gates. And we need to say, no, whatever God says is coming in, is coming in. I'll give you an example of this. Ephesians chapter 4, 26. Be angry and do not sin. Do not let the sun go down on your wrath. Anybody ever heard that? Come on. I'm telling you, go ahead and get angry. Just don't stew on it. Deal with it. I'm still angry. I've been angry for years. Okay? Your gate is wide open. That's why you're now living in bitterness. If you don't deal with your anger, you're giving place to the devil. You're giving him a place. This is, this is uh, the Greek word tapos, which is a, meaning a place to stand or to live. So through your anger, you're giving the enemy a place that you have authority over. It's like you made a bed in your house and you filled a refrigerator up so he could say, Hey, welcome, devil. You say, No, I didn't do that. I'm just mad. You're welcoming the enemy into your life. And that gate has destroyed millions and millions of lives and homes. So let me just say one other thing about gates. You're responsible for your own gates, but we're also responsible for the gates of our children. Your children need you to control their gates. Proverbs 22 and 6. Train up a child in the way it should go. And when he's older, he will. So... My kids used to, uh, I mean, now that they're older, they tease me about the things I wouldn't allow them to do. It's okay. I'm all right, that. I am. I'm good. Go ahead. Like, now, I, people are going to think I'm crazy right now, but here's something that I did, all right? And they laugh at me, Dad. You wouldn't even let us watch Sabrina the Teenage Witch. Okay? Now, and I didn't. You know, it came on TV, and I said, we're not going to watch that. Well, why aren't you going to watch that? Well, it's, it's about a witch, and I don't think witches are funny, because witchcraft is real, okay? So, and I didn't let them watch it, and they just kind of, yeah, okay, all right. And then, I wouldn't let them watch horror movies, okay? And then, there's this movie, and all the kids, all the other kids at school watched it, and I said, okay, okay, you're going to watch it, but you're going to watch it with me. And uh, it's scary. I didn't like watching it. And they were so, after they watched it and they couldn't sleep all night. Now, now you know why I don't want you to watch that kind of mess. So, here's what I'm saying. Parents, family, church family, you are responsible in your home for what you allow. Everything that is not there, you disallow. But everything in your home, you allow. You say, I didn't allow this. Yes, you do. I don't like that. Well, you're allowing it. No, I'm not. They're doing it anyway. No. You're the parent in that house. Just a few quick gates. Then we're going to pray. Get saved. Okay? Okay? Here's, here's the gates that you manage for your children. One is the God gate. 
the God gate. So you need to lead your children personally into a relationship with Jesus Christ. He said, my kids, I've never heard my kids pray. You've never had them confess Jesus is Lord and ask him if they believed in their heart that God had raised him from the dead. Do they believe that Jesus is just another animated show that they're watching on Netflix? Is that what? Come on, how many know that Jesus really is the Lord? Anybody believe that? But have have, have you heard your kids pray over and over? Every time you go to bed, shouldn't they be praying at nighttime before they go to bed? We say, my kids are teenagers. You you stop praying with your kids because they got to be teenagers? They're teenagers. You really need to pray with them. The God gate. Make sure they know who Jesus is. Bring them to the house of God. Bring them here. But realize their discipleship doesn't end here. It happens at your house, not just this house. The God gate. Man, they got all kinds of books. Got one little Bible they ain't never read with you before. Okay, I'll just, just I, I heard that, I never heard a name in, but I heard, please go on, Pastor. I heard that. Okay. The entertainment gate. All right? None of us need to watch television without a filter on it. Not me, not my wife, not any of you. We all need accountability. Especially when you're five. Come on, you need accountability. Okay, TV, cell phones. What? Let me me just talk to couples, okay? If your wife, if you're married and you refuse to allow your husband or your wife to look at your phone any time that they want to, I suspect you. Well, that ain't any of their business. It's all of their business. In fact, their body belongs to you. Their mind belongs to you. If you're having to erase your internet history every night before you go to bed. If if your husband can't look over your shoulder while you're on your social media. Now wait. If that's true about grown-ups, why do we give our children free access to all of the ungodliness on the internet? Well, mom, I'm already 12. I know what's out there. That causes me great concern. Why would my children not want me looking over their shoulder? Why do I not have passwords to everything that they have passwords? Why? There is nothing in my life that my wife cannot look at. Not one thing. And, and listen, it's perfectly acceptable to put a monitor on all of your electronic devices that your children or your wife, your husband can see. Does that make sense for your children? It, it, it makes good sense. There's great ones out there. You say, I didn't know about it. That's only because you're not looking for it. Because you can find an app for anything else. When I say entertainment gate, though, I'm saying that it, it is so sad that we now allow social media, and again, I'm not saying cut off your social media. We allow on, uh, uh, online activities, internet activities, to have free reign in our children's lives. We just let, hey, why don't you go over there and, you know, get on, just get on YouTube and watch whatever you want. We, we can't do that, folks. 
Satan is a deceiver. And he will sneak in and give them a taste of something. And the next thing you know, they will long for it because they've seen something. Listen, your children are not, listen, your teenagers are not at the place where they can look at sexually explicit information or listen to it on a, on, on, in music and somehow be able to survive it. It is sexual abuse of your children to allow them to look at certain things that you are allowing them to see. So I didn't allow it. If you give them carte blanche, then the enemy will show them. Go ahead and preach, Pastor. So, and the friend gate. The friend gate. This has always been the truth. This was the truth when our kids were young. And that is, they'll say, they'll say, well, my friend's going to come over. I said, great. Well, I'm going to go over to my friend's house. No, 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 no. No, no, no. Why don't you trust me? I don't trust the devil. I don't. Well, they're my friends, you know. Having sex, I'm 14, 13, 12 years old. I'm 16. I go hang out whoever I want to. You know, if you're already at that place at 16, you should have settled these things when they were, before they were six. Really need to settle those things early in your life. That's why the struggle is real when they get older. Settle those things. Establish those good boundaries. Why? Because, I mean, the Bible's clear. Evil, bad company will corrupt your good morals. That's what the Bible says. Bad company. And I, I, can, I can oversee things when you're at my house, but when you go to somebody else's house and they don't believe in the same Jesus that I believe in, you say, well, I'm just going to go to movies with my friends and their parents are going, I don't know their parents. I don't know. Am, am I okay? Is this all right? Kids are saying, I can't believe Pastor Rick would preach this kind of stuff. I'm telling you that the enemy wants the keys to your gates. He wants the keys to your children's gates. He wants them to leave your house with the gates wide open. Can I tell you this? The enemy doesn't need the front door unlocked to get in your house. A burglar only needs a window. He just needs any door, any way that he can just leave one gate unlocked. He'll come in and spoil the whole house. Jesus. Attitude gate. Attitude. Come on. Come on. Give me the attitude. Come on. Attitude. I don't even know how to do that too well. But attitude. Come on. Listen. Some of us punish for behavior when the attitude is really the issue. Right? We have to heal their attitudes. Why are you so wounded? And the Bible says that pride goes before the fall. Also, the scripture says uh, in James 4 that God resists the proud, but he gives grace, more grace to the humble. Humble yourself, humble yourself, humble yourself. You know that kid who has no respect whatsoever for authority? You ain't my mama, you ain't my daddy. No, I'm grown up though, and you really shouldn't be playing in the middle of the street. You, You know that? Attitude. The attitude gate is dangerous because your children will grow up with an attitude that is destructive. And I'll just finish this one quickly. The education gate. Okay. Stop saying that the school is responsible for your children's education. Stop it. Stop it. You don't know your teachers? Really? And you don't ask what they know? You don't work with them in their studies? You're responsible for their education. And, I, and, and you may realize this. That education also goes beyond the school. Did you know that? 
I mean, they're not teaching. They say, well, they're trying to teach them to be good citizens. You can't teach somebody to be a good citizen at school in just a few hours. You get every day. And in a few, few weeks, you get the whole summer off to teach them how to be godly and how to be righteous. There are things in the school that you don't want them to believe. Come on. I mean, when I was a kid, at least we were debating whether or not God actually created things. Now it's not even a debate. Not even a debate. And then other things that we're hearing in school. If you listen, the, the, our culture is so busted and broken right now. And, and, and even when I stand before you and try to teach you about certain issues, such as issues of sexuality and sexual identification, there are kids that have already been educated with terms that parents do not even know. And if I, if I speak them, we have a generation now that says, don't you do that, you'll, you'll hurt somebody's feelings. Okay, so I can't say anything, and now the next generation, listen, listen, when our culture gets really angry, okay? Uh, the next thing you know, my words will become hate speech. That's the next thing on the agenda for Satan because he's taken authority over so many of our government houses. So when I speak the truth, the truth sounds like hate when really what it's love and then we get crucified. Okay, I'm okay. I'm okay. I'm going to be with Jesus anyway. All right, you understand? But, but I'm telling you, you have to take authority over the gate. You have to take the authority over the gate. Listen, you got to stop looking at yourself like somebody that doesn't have any authority. And stand up as a mom, as a dad, as an aunt, as an uncle, as a grandma, as a grandpa. you got to stand up and say, I know what God's word says. And I have the keys. And whatever I bind, God says, I'm going to stand right next to you. You bind. You bind that. You cast that out. I will bind. And whatever you lose. Now, I've talked about, I've talked about the gates, but I want you to understand... You should loose the Spirit of God into your children's lives. You should loose truth into their life. You should loose the gifts of the Spirit into your children's life. You should loose love in it because when you loose those things, God says, I release it as well into your children's life. It was the last time you took your own hands and laid them on your own children and prayed for them. Last time you anointed them. I'm going to have Pastor Rick anoint them. Anoint them yourself. And don't ask me to pray for somebody you ain't praying for. Come on. That's not right. So I'm finished preaching. Happy Mother's Day. Uh, you're going to take pictures after a while. Now, don't, don't run over there and get in line yet. But Devin, Devin's here. This is Mother's Day, and we want to wish her a happy Mother's Day as well, right? But, but now listen, listen, we're going to pray, we're going to pray. But when you finally do take a picture today, I want you to remember the lesson that I taught you. I don't want you to look at that picture as if, oh yeah, we got a picture taken. I want you to look at it like that was the day that I decided that I would take charge of the gates. That was the day. That I decided enough is enough. That was the day that I decided as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Come on, Joshua. That was the day. Come on, stand up. Let's give thanks to the Lord. Everybody stand up. Everybody stand up. I want my prayer workers to come and stand with me.
All my altar workers come. Sometimes, sometimes I don't have the altar workers come up first because people get intimidated. But listen, you need somebody to pray for you. You need somebody to pray. I got plenty of altar workers. Now, praise God. Now, watch this. Watch. Are you ready? You ready? You ready? You ready? Sometimes I need somebody to come alongside of me and help me in my binding and loosening. Does that make sense? I need somebody that will anoint me and pray and talk with me. So here's what I want. Here's what I want. Some of you, as I was teaching you, as I was teaching you, in your mind, in your heart, you thought to yourself, wow, I got some gates swinging wide open right now. And I need to take authority. And you haven't even got it figured out. It almost makes you nervous thinking, wow, I'm going to have to deal with some of this. For some of you, it's in your marriage, in your home, and you just need prayer and healing in your life, in your marriage. So we'll pray for you as a couple. But for some of you, you're just struggling. You're just struggling. And uh, maybe it's a mild thing. You say, I got this, Pastor Priest, to me. I think it would be good if we had some anointing for families, for couples, for individuals that need to overcome. How many would agree with me? Wave at me if you agree with me. All right. So I want you to start moving in this direction, okay? You need Jesus in your life. You need help. You need healing in your family. You're a son. You're a daughter. And you're struggling in some areas in your life. I want you to come on down. We want to pray with you and for you. Perhaps it's your marriage. And your marriage is in jeopardy. Your marriage is in struggle. I want you to come and we want to pray with you. Come swiftly. Come swiftly if you would. Come on. Come on down. Come on down. Come on down. I love you guys. Sing over there. Come on. Come on. I have more people coming. Come on down. Look at y'all.
Make his face shine upon you. Be gracious to you and give you peace. Sing, sing.